The Lord be with you. If you were here last week, you heard from Romans 8 that through Jesus we are given a spirit of adoption into God's family so that we call God Abba, Father, Dad. And this week the Apostle Paul continues Romans chapter 8 by saying, if God is for us, who is against us? Now, Paul is saying this rhetorically, but I'm willing to bet you could give him some answers about who might be against you. And Paul goes on to say, who will bring any charge against God's elect? Who is to condemn? And once again, Paul is saying these things rhetorically, but once again, I'm willing to bet you could give Paul some answers about who might be trying to condemn you. And maybe the people who condemn you are other people. Or maybe the person condemning you is yourself. Maybe the one who condemns you is a voice inside your head that keeps saying things and you can't get it to stay quiet. Scripture has a word for that voice. The word Scripture uses for that voice is Satan. And Satan simply means the adversary, the accuser. And there are lots of accusers in this world, and the accuser will use absolutely everything against you. So say say you want to make a difference in this world. The accuser will say to you, well, what's a little person like you going to do? You're too small to make a difference. But Jesus intercedes for us, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The smallest of all the seeds which someone took and planted in his field. Now, it's a bold move to plant a mustard seed in your field. Some of you laugh because you may be farmers and you may know this, right? But the first century author, Pliny the Elder, described mustard saying, once it is planted in a field, it is nearly impossible to get rid of it because its seeds, once they are put in the ground, they spring up immediately. Mustard. It grows, yes. It grows from this little seed into something tall, maybe human-sized. It's like a shrub, but the power of the mustard seed is not in how big its plant gets, but in how small its seed is. You see, the mustard seed is small enough that it can be carried up by a gust of gentle wind. It's small enough that the birds can carry it from one field to another. It's small enough that it can find any furrow in the soil or crack in the ground, and there it takes root and grows and spreads like wildfire until what is individually a shrub becomes greater than a tree so that the birds of the air can make homes in its nest, can make nests in its shade, excuse me. And so it is with you. Yes, maybe you are small. Maybe you're so small, in fact, that you don't have anything to weigh you down when the Holy Spirit comes like a gust of wind to lift you up. Maybe you are small enough that you can be carried on the wings of eagles. Maybe you are small enough 
that you can fit in the cracks of our broken society and plant roots of the kingdom of heaven so deep they can never be torn up, but which spread to make a home for every person in this world. You see, the accuser will try to work your smallness against you, but God, God will work it for you. And so the accuser might say to you, Who are you? You are invisible. What matter do you have in this world? But Jesus will intercede on our behalf, saying the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it measured all of until it leavened all of it. Now to be clear, three measures of flour is nearly 60 pounds of flour. It's a lot of dough she's making, yes? And if you thought a mustard seed was small, yeast is even smaller. It's so small that when yeast is mixed into dough, you can't even see it. It's invisible. In fact, the word that our translation says for mixed, she took yeast and mixed it into the dough, it literally says in Greek, she hid the yeast in that flour. Yeast It's nearly microscopic. It's invisible once it's mixed in with that flour. But that yeast, it will transform all that flour that it is mixed in. It will transform that flour not through its intelligence, not through its eloquence, not through its strength. No, that yeast will transform something millions of times larger than itself by eating and breathing and farting. Yes, literally, that's, that's how yeast makes bread rise, yeah? It, it eats sugar that's mixed in there with the flour, and then it farts carbon dioxide, and those carbon dioxide farts, it puffs up the bread and makes it rise. That's the good stuff that you want in your bread, right? Yeast transforms it just by being present and just by being alive. No one needs to see the yeast at work. The accuser wants to say to you, you're invisible, what difference do you make? Jesus says, you're invisible, so go where you are unexpected but needed. Where no one can kick you out, go and be mixed into the insides of this hurting world and let your living presence transform it. You say to yourself, I'm happy to go, Jesus, but I don't know what to say. Paul tells us in Romans 8, 26, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That when we do not know how to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit intercedes with groans too deep for words. To say, your prayers, they connect you to God not by the eloquence of your words, not by having the right magic formula that you say, but simply by the opening of your heart to God. If that comes out in a sigh or in a groan or like yeast in a fart, so be it. It is your heart and its openness that connects you to God. And if you are called to be present in this hurting world with someone and you don't have the words to help them, be like yeast. Just be there with them, holding their hand, and let your loving, living presence be the transformation they need in that moment. The accuser tries to work your invisibility against you. But God, God works it for you. 
And so the accuser says, well, what good is God? What good is the kingdom of heaven? No one cares about the kingdom of heaven. What's it going to do for you? Jesus intercedes for us, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that someone found and hid and then in his joy went and sold everything that he had and bought it. Yeah. You see, that field, the man who bought it was able to buy it because the seller didn't know how much it was worth. The seller didn't know that there was a treasure hidden in that field. And so the seller thought the field was hardly worth anything at all. But the buyer knew. The buyer knew what was in that field, how precious its treasure was, that that treasure in the field was worth more than everything he owned. And so the buyer gladly sells everything he has and trades it in to have that field with its treasure inside. And so it is with the kingdom of heaven. We get to buy the kingdom of heaven on discount. We don't pay the full price for the kingdom of heaven because Jesus Jesus pays it for us. Jesus is the one who buys that treasure and who hides it. Who hides it in the ordinary fields of ordinary children of this earth so that when we give what we have to love our neighbor, we might receive Riches beyond our imagining. The accuser tries to use the discounting of others against us. But God, God works it for us. And when the accuser comes to you and says, you know what, it's not just the kingdom of heaven that's worthless, it's you. You are the one that no one cares about. You are the one who is worthless. Jesus intercedes for us, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And finding a pearl of great value, he sells everything he has to purchase it. My friends, that merchant in search of fine pearls is Jesus. And you are that pearl of great value which Jesus will gladly give up everything to have. Jesus gladly goes to the cross for you because you are worth more to Jesus than life itself. If God is for us, who is against us? God who did not withhold His own Son, but gave Him up for us, will He not also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is Jesus. Yes, Jesus, who died, who was raised, who is seated at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. And at this moment, the accuser stands up and says, oh, oh, I have an answer to this one. Who will separate you from the love of Christ? You will. Your sins will separate you from the love of Christ. Because on the day of judgment, there's going to be a sorting, and God's going to say, you're one of those evil ones who gets thrown into the fire. So you, you get to separate yourself from the love of Christ. And once again, Jesus intercedes for us, saying the kingdom of heaven 
is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. Every kind of fish was gathered into that net, just like every kind of person is gathered into the kingdom of heaven. And what that means is, in the kingdom of heaven, there are people who are suffering. There are people who are suffering hardship, who are suffering distress, who are suffering persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and the sword. They are also a part of God's kingdom. And while the accuser will try to say to you, you suffer these things because you are not part of God's elect, so you might as well abandon God because clearly God has abandoned you. God will use these things, will work these things for your good. Because God says in response, do you not know that Jesus suffered every single one of these things and more. So that no matter what cross you are on, no matter what grave you are under, no matter what hell you are in, you will know that Jesus is there with you, that Jesus has bound himself to you in your dying so that you might be bound to him in his rising to new and eternal life. Yes. When Paul writes in Romans 8.28 that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. For those who are called according to His purpose. I want to be clear. This doesn't mean that you will never suffer. That you will never have injury, insult, or death. No. What it means is when the accuser comes to you and says that injury, insult, and death is against you, God will work it for you. Will work it for you according to His purpose, out of His love. And His purpose is that you will be united with God. That we will be united with each other. That we will be surrounded by infinite love. That we will be raised and glorified as part of a family so large that it includes all the earth. And yes, On that day when that comes to fruition, there will be a separation. There will be a sorting and a day of judgment. Just as it says in the parable that the fishermen separate out the bad fish from the good, so it will be the angels will come and they will separate out the evil from the righteous. But I want to be clear on what that means. It doesn't mean, hey, am I in the righteous camp or am I in the evil camp? No, What it's talking about there is you, my siblings in Christ. That on that day of resurrection, God will separate out from you the bad and leave the good. That God will separate out from you the evil and leave that righteous child of God that you were made to be. God will separate out from you the accuser, the Satan, the one who tries to separate you from the love of God. God will take that voice and cast it into the furnace of fire and you will shine radiant like the sun in your Father's kingdom because there is nothing, nothing in life or death In things present or things to come, in height or depth, there is neither rulers nor powers nor angels nor anything else in all creation that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus.
So when the accuser comes to you and says, you're too small. Be a mustard seed and plant tenacious trees of God's kingdom. When the accuser comes to you and says, you're invisible, be yeast that transforms the world just by its presence alone. When the accuser comes to you and says, all these other people are worthless, be the buyer who buys them at discount and finds the treasure hidden within. And when the accuser comes to you and says, there will be a great separation, you smile right back at the accuser and you say, yes, but nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even me. You, on the other hand, I look forward to the day you, Satan, are thrown into the furnace of fire. But until that day, we have precious pearls to catch up in the net of love that is the kingdom of heaven. Amen.